0: and welcome to another episode of the retro wrestling podcast. I'm intern
1: Alex, joined as always by the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young.
0: And Patrick, it's been a while. How have you been, my friend? I've been better,
1: you know. The...
0: <laughs> I feel you. That's uh that's why we haven't recorded in a while, too. I've just been working a lot. Thanks to some recent setbacks at my one of my employers. My real job, I have to work more because they let some people go. So now there's uh, less people to do the work. And I don't think they're going to rehire new people, Patrick. So it's just doing more with less, which my boss told me, when does it become less with less? Because that's what it seems like we're doing. So been very busy as of late. This WrestleMania season has really It came so fast, and then, I mean, it was a blur. It really was a blur, Patrick, so I didn't get to check out uh, any of those, like, Bloodsport or any of those indie shows that were happening WrestleMania week. I only saw, I only watched WrestleMania, Patrick, so I'm not a very good wrestling fan, because I only watched one show.
1: I only watched uh, the, Night 2. I didn't get to see Night 1. Oh, you didn't uh, see Night 1.
0: I actually think Night 1 turned out better than Night 2, even though on paper I would have never guessed that. In fact, going into...
1: I hope so, because damn, Night 2 was rough.
0: Yeah, heading into it, I was telling our friend Brenton, I was saying, Night 2 is stacked compared to Night 1. There is no comparison. Like, if I have tickets to Night 1, I'd be very disappointed, but... As it turned out, I think that night one was a little bit better. I mean, it was close. I'm not going to say it was leaps and bounds ahead of night two, but we'll get into WrestleMania in just a second. But quickly, uh, last time we recorded, we forgot to talk about the passing of Jim Crockett Jr., which had just occurred uh, around the same time we recorded last time, which was back in March. Sorry, everybody. Now it's April. Yeah, Jim Crockett Jr., of course, the promoter of Jim Crockett Promotions, which Much like many other wrestling promoters, he got it from his dad. Operated it pretty successfully uh, until he sold it to Ted Turner in 1988, which made him a lot of money. And it got him out of the business, which he was probably going to go broke running the business. So it was a pretty smart move that he made. And he would try to come back into wrestling in 1994 with the World Wrestling Network. He even tried in 95 to run the NWA at the Sportatorium. He tried to bring the Sportatorium back. Those two attempts didn't work out too well, and he retired from pro wrestling promoting. As I recall, I think I did see him on some of these WrestleCon circuits and stuff, so he was around, he making did money on appearances.
1: Last, he did the very last one They uh, that they showed up... Uh, Right before the whole COVID shit, it was a great opportunity to see Jim Crockett Jr. and David Crockett, and to be able to sit down and uh, listen to a Q and A with them, and then be able to meet them and and get to uh, get a picture and autograph and all that. That's like Don Morocco, and that's like uh, you know a couple of these others, you know Kevin Von Erick. That That's just that handful of of guys that. In the wrestling business, that just don't do any, you know, meet and greets or any uh, autograph signings or any of that kind of shit. So that was a very special opportunity. But man, dude, he gave so much to wrestling here in the South. Working alongside with Dusty Rhodes, letting Dusty do a lot of the uh, coming up with the pay-per-views as we call them now, but they're they're big shows. No, I mean sure.
0: Starcade was definitely it was ahead of its time. It was ahead of WrestleMania. So Vince yeah. basically copped the idea from Jim Crockett. <laughs> so yeah.
1: Starcade 83 was was the end all be all. Everybody either went to or you went and saw and you know at a movie theater somewhere. I mean, uh, it it was way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. And to put the faith of that whole thing on the back of Ric Flair, knowing that Flair could carry that, uh, just goes to show you the two guys he truly trusted in the building of of going forward with Jim Crocker Promotions, which was Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes.
0: Yeah, he he had his two stars, and he also saved the NWA from, I mean, even before selling to ted turner which i mean wcw after 88 was still sort of a continuation of the old nwa but uh when he bought the time slot back from vince mcmahon on uh black saturday of course when vince mcmahon bought uh jim barnett's time slot on tbs and uh jim crockett ended up buying it back which in the uh rise and fall of wcw dvd i believe david crockett says yeah we uh We bought the time slot back and paid for the first WrestleMania. So uh, in a weird way, he contributed to the success of the first WrestleMania and saving the NWA from cancellation on TV. So did a lot for the NWA. At one point, owned six territories. He was merging. He was merging the territories. He was a visionary in that he saw that the the days of the territories were ending. And so he was buying them up and combining them all under his banner. He would run them under their own names in their in their region, but they were all Jim Crockett promotions. It was all Jim Crockett. JCP was everywhere. And not just JCPenney, but uh, Jim Crockett. Yeah, in February, uh, Dave Meltzer reported that he was in bad health. Robert Gibson was actually the one to report that Crockett died due to complications of liver and kidney failure. He was only 76. That's pretty wild uh, to think that he was doing all this stuff and let's see, 85, so he was, that was like 35 years ago, 36 years ago, so he was 40, he was running this wrestling empire in his 40s, so, and I mean, Vince was pretty young too, Vince is around the same age, so, both of those guys in their 40s, like, in a few years patrick (laughs) i if i want to achieve that level of success in just a few years i've got to have my wrestling empire up and running you know i guess i guess tony Khan's pretty young now but
1: you're gonna have to get on the ball there sir you're gonna pull this off yeah it's it's
0: just wild so uh jim crockett jr also had uh uh, gotten sick with COVID-19 19 two months earlier so that's what david said so he had been sick anyway. I don't know what kind of underlying health problems he had. He got a nice tribute from uh, Tony Schiavone uh, on Twitter and talked about how uh, everything that has happened to Tony Schiavone was because of Jim Crockett, so uh, that was really nice. And at the front of that AEW pay-per-view last time, they put up a in-memoriam banner, so I thought that was really nice. Now, WWE, of course, didn't acknowledge it on the air at all, so probably the second most successful wrestling promoter ever so that's notable because there have been many wrestling promoters patrick but there's only been a handful that have gone on against vince mcmahon for an extended period of time you know so yeah a big loss a big loss for uh nwa fans we'll move on and get to wrestlemania since that has happened and we or off the air, basically, for the build-up to WrestleMania, which the build-up to WrestleMania was pretty bad, from what I could tell. I don't watch the weekly TV as much uh, as I used to. Outside of the Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan three-way, I didn't really know much about any of the storylines. and I don't feel like they were promoted very well. So my expectations heading into this WrestleMania were very low. All they could do is overperform. There was I wasn't going to be let down really uh, except from one guy and I'll talk about him uh, that let me down in night 2, but the uh for the most part I was going in with no expectations. So that's a good way to go in. Also this year's WrestleMania Patrick, once again they they saved me, they spared me. They broke it up into two nights and I loved it because I do not enjoy sitting at home for six or seven hours watching one show it's i prefer the two nights i know you don't but i don't yeah because yeah you don't pause the super bowl at halftime
1: (laughs) exactly exactly
0: well if if we were there in person patrick i would probably prefer the one day thing because obviously i don't want to buy two tickets and i don't want to feel like i only saw half the show So I can see why that they're going to probably return to the one night format next night. But for people like us that have a wrestling podcast and that are, you know, watching and taking notes and being critical or whatever, I think the two night format works better for me at home. Uh, But they were back in Tampa Bay this year. They were Raymond James Stadium. They had a limited crowd capacity. And uh, well, we can talk about well, what do you think about the set this year? They went back to the pirate theme. How do how do you how do you rate the set this year? I'm
1: just glad to see see a different set than what we've been seeing for the past year and a half. It was
0: nice to get out of the Thunderdome. The Thunderdome <laughs> is it's almost hard to look at sometimes. It is. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, it's there's only. You know, like, we stare at screens all day. Like, I stare at my phone screen, the computer screen, this screen, my TV screen. Everything's a screen. So when I turn on wrestling, I don't want to stare at more screens within the screen. So it's really... And all those fan squares, you know, it's kind of ugly. I mean, it's kind of visually not great. It's better than the empty performance center which they started out with last year, but it was nice to get out of the Thunderdome, to put the lasers away for a little while, bring back some pyro, big pyro, WrestleMania pyro. Uh, I thought that the stage was kind of ugly cuz they they used the pirate ship as the stage and it was it was like a 2D pirate ship. It was just a backdrop basically was the pirate ship. It wasn't like Three dimensional. It wasn't like they were swinging off of the pirate ship or anything. So it was okay. They didn't do an LED ramp. So no Randy Orton sperm snake coming down the ramp. Uh, <laughs> night one, they had the rain delay. So the show, <laughs> we had waited all this time to have fans and be, you know, back to some sort of normal wrestling program. And of course, it got rain delayed for 45 minutes. And this was actually one of the more interesting highlights of either night, Patrick, because this company with a rain delay, I mean, they had, had done all these outdoor WrestleManias and never had a rain delay until now, and Patrick, they let wrestlers, this is going to blow your mind, they let wrestlers talk into a microphone without a script. Um, what? Yeah, and what? Sadly, sadly, Patrick, a lot of them are not good at it, and you could tell the ones that were good at it and the ones that were not. Braun Strowman is not very good without a script. Uh, Kevin Owens was fine except that his mic fucked up halfway through his promo. There were some other Seth Rollins is terrible without a script like it was it was really fascinating. It was really fascinating because it's it's not something they do anymore. So to see wrestlers try to talk in character without a teleprompter was pretty fun. I thought, and I hope that they leave it in there, but I'm sure all that stuff's been cut already. They just don't want that. Anything that they didn't write, they don't want on there. So I'm sure that'll be cut from the history books, but we get into the night, night one, Bobby Lashley defeated Drew McIntyre. Uh, that was a pretty good match. It was, a, it kicked off the show, which was, I think a good way to kick off any WrestleManias with the title match. And well, they said we they did the same thing 10 years ago when we went to WrestleMania 27. They kicked the night off with a title match. This match was good except the finish. The finish ruined it for me, and that was Drew is setting up for the Claymore, and he's ready to unload on Bobby Lashley, and MVP shouts something at him, and this distracts Drew McIntyre, and that allows Bobby to put the hurt lock in and win the match, and it just made... Drew looked like a total geek to be distracted by someone shouting like, I'm sorry, if I'm focused, I expect more from a fighter, you know, to be focused than to be easily distracted by someone shouting something. So um, outside of that, it, it was a fine match. The other highlights of the night, I'm going to skip over the tag team turmoil match with the women because that was not very good. Cesaro and Seth Rollins was actually okay. Cesaro did twenty two spins, they said, even though I counted like nineteen. Because they can't count spins. They don't seem when he does that spin, he does the Cesaro swing, Patrick.
1: They count they count like two. They get faster. Uh, They get fast. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's like one, two, three, four, five. Like they just go fast. Like I don't know what it is about a crowd and counting, but they don't they don't count correctly. So it was nice to see Cesaro get a singles win at WrestleMania. He had never had a singles match at WrestleMania, which is wild to me. Um, But he was a guy that, I don't know, he's been there almost a decade now, but he's a guy that I always rooted for to be something bigger. You know, like this guy could be a huge star, but they've never, and I still don't think this means anything. He'll probably be forgotten about immediately. Uh, We had the debut of. Almost, who is AJ Styles' giant bodyguard man. And uh, Patrick, I think we have our modern-day equivalent of Giant Gonzalez here because this man did not put on wrestling gear. He looked like he was a bouncer at a nightclub. And it was very old school. It was like the New Day were scared of the thought of this man getting in the ring. So they cut off the ring. AJ finally tagged him in he did very basic moves and won the match. So, we've got AJ paired with a modern giant Gonzalez as your raw tag team champions. Braun and Shane, they had a steel cage match and Patrick Shane McMahon did not jump off of it. What the fuck happened? What? That's right. What? He was They were inside the cage, Patrick and Braun slammed him off of it. But what I mean, what how do you do a match like that's all Shane does is dives, and he did not do a dive the big talker of the night bad bunny uh people going wild for bad bunny he's actually i think patrick he's in the discussion for best celebrity wrestler ever um he was doing great in the ring totally. and yeah he he executed a d d t to perfection he what he did uh flying cross off the uh top turnbuckle to the outside he was it looks like he it looked like he was just a regular wrestler you couldn't have told i mean he was in there with the miz i say he might have been a better performer than the miz and that doesn't take much the bar is pretty low but bad bunny yeah giving a um i've seen it compared to Lawrence Taylor and Snooki though. That's the the discussion he's in. So as celebrities overperformed in their WrestleMania moments. So um, and the crowd went nuts for this match. This was um, a match that I didn't think was going to be as hot. The crowd was going to be very hot for, but they certainly were. And then we have the main event and I think the best match of the weekend. And that was Bianca Belair. UT Knoxville's own Bianca Belair track star from Knoxville, defeating Sasha Banks in the first ever uh, WrestleMania main event. Well, night one in uh, parentheses main event uh, between two African-Americans and you had Bianca Belair prevail. And it was a really good match. Hard, hard fought match. Uh, Bianca Belair, you could never tell that she has not been doing this, but for a few years, as opposed to Sasha, who's been doing this a little while longer, and the crowd was into it. It was hard-hitting. It was a clean match. It was it was really great, so thumbs way up on night one of WrestleMania for me. Over-delivered, and you said you didn't watch night one, so now we can get into now we can get into Night 2, which I didn't watch live. I watched the next day on uh, on demand, basically. It started off very badly because it was The Fiend and Randy Orton, and okay. I've finally it's reached good. the point with The Fiend, Patrick, where I was with Dean Ambrose a few years ago, where I'm just done with this guy. <laughs> I'm done with this guy. It's not his fault. It's the company's fault for whatever they're doing with him, um, but... Until they figure it out, just get it off my screen. I don't want it anymore. I'm done. I
1: love I love the fiend idea. And I love the fact that I still love the fiend. I love the character, I love the guy, I love the whole the whole damn thing. Now, here's the deal. I loved the the LED transformation as he's walking down the hallway back to the you know, not being like this crispy, burnt, melted Piece of chocolate into the original Fiend again. I, I thought that was a great man. That was awesome. It was really fucking cool. It was like a specialty type deal. Uh, I loved him coming out of the Jack in the Box. I thought that was pretty badass. And I saw him diving off the top of that damn thing to start the match from a mile away. And it just went to shit from there, though. Not a good match. Neither him nor Randy were able to, in my book, get any type of entertainment going. Uh, it, it was just, it was the, I dare say, the worst match of the night.
0: Might have been the worst match of the weekend. Even even worse than the women's tag team turmoil match from night one, I think.
2: And it, it was, was only rough. five
0: minutes long. The the package leading into it, recapping the feud, was longer than the match. It's a six-month feud! These guys fought at WrestleMania 33. I mean, these guys, when before he was The Fiend, when he was still Bray Wyatt, they they had that big feud heading into 33. It seems like they fought last year at some point, even before six months ago. I feel like they've been tied together for, like, four years. So, to... Have
1: but this be the finale. About, but the Fiend character itself, with bringing in Alexa Bliss and all that stuff, I, it, you're talking about a six to seven month feud to build this match up. This is one of the longest feuds they have done since you go back to kind of the old days. And yes, there's been one or two like Rock and Cena bullshit, but you know, used to you had a feud. And that feud lasted all year till the very next WrestleMania. And this was one of those close, you know, areas. It went, you know, six, seven months. Like, you're kind of, you're starting to see that. And the storytelling of, you know, him lighting him on fire. And then Alexa showing up. And Alexa doing the talking for him. And then just all this shit. And I'm thinking, God, this is, you know, this they're going to really fucking blow this out of the water. And it did not deliver at all. And I was just completely just, you know, like a balloon with, you know, let out of air. It just was like, what the hell? All of this work, all this buildup. And you, that's all you got and uh yeah all it takes
0: is one rko to put him
1: down (laughs) i i that just that blew me away yeah exactly and let's not talk about the fact that he no sold uh what was it the curb stomps like three or four of them from uh oh yeah
0: rollins yeah yeah from
1: from a couple years ago or whatever he no sold that shit like literally i think it was like four or five of them But yet, one RKO can put him down? Come on.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think back at WrestleMania 33 when he was Bray Wyatt, I think one RKO put him down there, too. So I think it was just kind of honoring history at WrestleMania uh, for Bray Wyatt. Um, Yeah, the the Fiend. Yeah. The
1: the splitting off of him and Alexa Bliss. Now, here's my deal. Yeah, on Raw, they split them up. They. Alexa costs him the match okay and here's what I would have done he didn't
0: address it at all on
1: that's what I I would have done that's exactly what I'm getting at the lights go out she's sitting up there on top of the box and she's like spewing this blood shit or whatever and so it's you know what the hell and it distracts Bray one two three Now, the lights go back out as he's standing back up staring at her. What they needed to have happen is when the lights go back out, have her come up behind him. The lights flick come back on. She's standing behind him. She hits him with Sister Abigail. That's what they needed to have happen. She hits the fiend with Sister Abigail because then – it's a power struggle among itself as to who really is in charge. Now, they didn't do that. All they did was just let them stare at each other, and then we went to a damn commercial. When yeah. really cut to black, go to commercial. And then, and then the next night on Raw, you you've split them up, but you, it's like Alexa Bliss is still doing this character. So So now she has a doll. But, I mean, you can't necessarily split them up because the characters go hand in hand. You can't not do one and not—you can't just do one and not the other. Well, see, I the... think
0: the worry here, Patrick, though, is when they do the Superstar Shake-Up that you'll have a female fiend and you'll have the male fiend. So you'll have Alexa doing this character on SmackDown and bray on raw or vice versa so that's the idea i think that they have is like this is so great we can get it on two nights a week and
1: and i just
0: lily the doll is wonderful yes
1: yeah i don't i don't think it's gonna work out and uh just their their storytelling their booking uh it it didn't make any sense but we we move on to to the rest of night two uh what was what was the next uh next match on the card
0: uh match two was uh nia jackson shana against natalia and tamina and it was a good tag team match for the female division which has not had very good teams honestly this this team between tamina and natty was formed probably last month so uh they they outperformed my expectations um the crowd was really into Tamina for some reason. It was very strange because I was like, have you guys not watched this program for the last 10 years? Do you guys not know
1: that she's not very good?
0: But she she did fine here. Uh, they, they still lost the match to Shayna she's and
1: better Nia. Nia but... She's better than Nia Jax. That's all I'm saying.
0: Oh, well, that's, again, a very low bar. The Miz and Nia Jax are my, basically, the. they should be form a tag team and be called the bar because they are a very low bar but you love you love the miz that i is do I, I he's got everything except the wrestling that's what's sad about it patrick i think he would be really good if he was a good wrestler he would be like <laughs> i mean he's already probably gonna be a hall of famer which because they just let anybody in there he just doesn't have the wrestling part down and he's just a very boring in-ring worker but man he is really good with everything else like he knows what notes to hit as a heel. He knows how to be really good as a face. If he has, it depends on who he's surrounded with. Usually at the time, this guy's also benefited. I swear, Patrick from always having someone attached to him. He has never just had an extended run where it's just Miz by himself. He's got, he's had Morris in the last year. Now he's got Maurice back. Before that, he had Alex Riley, The Big Show, Show Miz. I mean, he always had somebody to work off of. So I can't even remember some of it. He had um, had Damian Sandow. He had uh, Bray Wyatt's brother, (laughs) Bo. Bo and uh, Kurt Henning's son. Uh, I forgot what the (laughs) Miztourage. He's had all these fucking people around him. So at the same time, Maybe I need to see an extended run of just The Miz and if he's still as good as I think he is. But it's just in the ring, Patrick. It's uh, not there. Kevin Owens defeated Sami Zayn, which was a really hard-hitting match, but these guys have wrestled a thousand times. And it's it's sort of like whenever a few years ago there was a chance we were going to see Randy Orton and John Cena for the 25th time or something. At a WrestleMania, and that's how I feel about Owens and Zayn. I like them both, but together, I've, I'm I'm done.
1: I, yeah, I love the character of Sami Zayn that the, that he's got going right now. I think that's brilliant. It goes with kind of what you know how people are acting in today's society on certain things, because 'cause everything's got to be a fucking conspiracy to a degree. Uh, I, so I feel like that's a great. Spin-off. I think that is brilliant, okay? But you bring this YouTube motherfucker in that apparently I had, I had no idea who he was, okay? Had no idea. When I go look him up, I have lost any and all respect for WWE in regards to allowing this guy to even be a part of WWE programming. Strictly because of what he did. And because of the type of person he is. Yeah, you're talking <laughs> about sure.
0: Logan Paul. Yeah, he's. Uh, I he's don't know pig. anything. I don't know anything about him or Jake Paul or any YouTube influencer in quotation marks. I don't know anything about them. Maybe because I'm old, I guess. Yeah, um, I
1: don't. But when I looked it up. So apparently there is a forest. In oh, Japan.
0: he was the one that did that. I thought that was Jake Paul, but it was okay. Yeah. He, he went and videoed this forest where there's a lot of suicides in Japan or something. And he uh, thought and, it was really cool. He's like, Hey bro, I'm out here. You oh, it's really scary. It's really scary. And then he actually finds somebody who killed themselves out there and shows it on, on camera. I mean, shows the dead body hanging there.
1: And it, turns out that, that that is how that video itself is how uh, some of the family members found out about it and uh just a lot of it's just sick it's disturbing it's disgusting what human being what scum of the earth what fucking turd in the toilet bowl of this earth does a person like that Find it a, okay and appropriate to videotape a, a dead body and then put that shit up for on YouTube for to other get clicks.
0: People. Yeah, yeah. It's all about getting those clicks, man.
1: That, that's disgusting, and so no. And you could tell with that stunner that Kevin Owens really wasn't too happy about sh- having to share the spotlight or share the fucking ring with this piece of trash. And so he took liberties a little bit just to let him know who the fuck was in charge. And had it been me, I would not have a job with WWE because I would have legit hurt him because that's just how I feel of the type of person he is. Well, I mean, mean,
0: he's showing up in a company that's done some pretty terrible
1: stuff. So it's true. I'm I'm not denying that at all. I am, however, saying, though, that it is extremely disgusting that WWE has gotten to sink that low to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do do this.
0: Yeah, they just, they don't, I mean, you're talking about a company that's run by a 75-year-old man, and he probably said to somebody, oh, what are, what are the kids into these days? And somebody just said, oh, these, these Logan and Jake Paul, these YouTuber guys... They're really popular. Can we get one of them? Oh, go, go do it. Get that Logan Paul. He's nice and blonde. Yeah. And, uh, he played no factor into the match. He just sat there. Like he got paid to go out there and sit down. Like,
1: yeah, we got, he got a rain seat. Yeah. And
0: people, people paid $2,500 for seats like his basically. Um, I think people are reading too much into the popularity of social media influencers because they're not even celebrities. Like I said, I don't think you have to be like an A-list celebrity. Like, uh, you don't have to be like Brad Pitt or like Tom Hanks where everybody knows who you are basically, but you have to be within the realm. You have to be within the realm of like people above 30 well should know who you are, basically. And I don't know who this person is. And
1: I had no idea who this person yeah, said I had to go and search for this dude to find out who the hell he was.
0: And I think companies and and also like all these companies that send all these influencers, like free shit to promote or whatever, and they think, oh, we're getting such good return on our investment here because like Logan Paul's gonna show our shoes in a video. It's like, no, you're not, because there's a lot of I mean, I'm not going to accuse all of the Logan Paul video clicks to be bots, but there's a lot of bots and there's a lot of manipulating of popularity. There's algorithms, there's ways to cheat the system. It's the same way with podcasts, Patrick, like like I've done, like I talked about on here one time I got us like 50 or like 100 or no, maybe it was like five hundred spins on SoundCloud for like five bucks or something. So if I wanted this wrest if I wanted our wrestling podcast to be super popular, I could just go buy it. I could just go spend twenty dollars and we could have ten thousand spins and get invited to WrestleMania, basically. Because that's what technically that's what a YouTuber could do. I mean, there's a risk of getting caught, but like that's the way these people are generating fame it's by a largely a lot of it is based on lies now some they are there is a legit level of their popularity but i think it's exaggerated so that's what i find fascinating about this is like it's sort of like it's sort of like that wrestlemania we watched uh 23 i guess it was where it was Donald Trump versus uh Vince McMahon but Donald Trump comes down with that Miss USA lady and we were like who the fuck is that like it's like the this is this will be somebody in a few years Patrick that when they watch this Wrestlemania they'll be like who the fuck is Logan Paul (laughs) and why is he there so that's what I find fascinating about some of this shit yeah and I'm not I'm not thrilled with with what he did uh with that video and um but like I said, it's it's this company. So, I mean, Hulk Hogan was the host of this show, standing next to a black man. So, okay.
1: and and they <laughs> and he it, got booed for his trouble. Because um, it wasn't because they, he got booed for his trouble. They got booed, both of them. Oh, because they're
0: not any they, good. <laughs> well, that
1: yeah. They they dress them up in this fucking the pirates costumes, yeah. and then not only are they doing that, they're making them. Talk like they're pirates, well, like, well
0: Hogan sort of sounds like a pirate, technically
1: oh, you know something brother <laughs> like what the fuck is that seriously, well you know or me maybe brother go down it's to like, the beach oh, shop, <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah go get go get some of your booty at the beach shop, you know like what the hell what 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 the hell? so no it's uh it wrestlemania
0: that- hosts are best done to a minimum like hey, like when the- we had even when they had rock and um when we saw new day host i don't wrestlemania 30 didn't really have a host they had that segment at the start with the rock austin and hogan but um you know those years that we saw hosts there they did very little you know it's to keep it to a minimum And they did two segments, but they were like the worst segments of the night, like non-wrestling segments. So, yeah, I I don't even know why Hogan was needed, because I thought Titus sounded fine on his own.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And And what was going on with uh, Bailey here? Oh, yeah, I
0: don't. they, They didn't put her on the card, so they were like, well, how can we use her? That's. I don't know. This is some sort of new character they're doing, I guess. That she's she's sort of like making fun of everything, I guess. Like she's almost got the character of like a jaded internet fan or something. She I skipped her segments on night two. I I saw her segments on night one because I was watching live, and yeah, I, I'm not really sure what they're doing with Bailey.
1: She was was doing, like, this whole badass heel, dark heel character going on last time I watched anything WWE-related, which has been almost over a year. Now, all of a sudden, she's coming out with, like, these fucking grandma glasses. It made no sense to me. Like, I had no idea. The, The John Cena comment to Nikki Bella, though, was funny as hell. I am still going to go with that one being on, on the ups and ups, but it's... Uh...
0: If they're going to redo her character, I wish that she would just go back to being the babyface because, I don't know, I thought that there was potential there to be like a John Cena character, speaking of John Cena, who was also not on this show. These shows were notable for the first time in many years, Patrick. No part-timers, uh, no legends wrestling, no... Nothing really like this was mainly roster members wrestling. So I, you know, all those years of people bitching about uh, the part timers or why is Batista getting a match and this and that they had nothing to complain about this year because it was all their roster and I say all their roster. Andre the Giant Battle Royal was on SmackDown, so a lot of the roster didn't actually make the card at all. Outside Charlotte, of yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte.
1: <laughs> was not on WrestleMania. What the fuck? And yeah. by the Charlotte way, Charlotte was
0: on the intro video but not on the show.
1: The very next night on Raw, Raw sucked horribly. But the highlight of the entire night was her coming out and giving a Ric Flair promo. Cause that shit was great. It was absolutely stunningly great. I'm just sitting there laughing like crazy thinking, damn, this chick just nailed it. She just fucking nailed it. And so if you have not seen that, I would love for you to look it up and get your opinion on it because I just flat out loved it. I really, I cannot give it high enough praise uh and i, uh, I heard
0: love- the, i heard the context of it i didn't i didn't see it but basically she explained why she's you know used so much because she's that good and you know she doesn't yeah. take people's spot she she gets all these opportunity because she's really good and she wasn't on wrestlemania because lacey evans went and got pregnant <laughs> um So yeah, and actually Charlotte wasn't on WrestleMania because she was, uh, the WWE doctor told her she was pregnant and it was a false pregnancy test. So she got pulled off TV for that and she was also probably pretty upset with Andrade because he got released from his contract. And so her boyfriend isn't with the company. Then she has a doctor giving her this false pregnancy test and then the feud that she was in, Lacey Evans actually did get pregnant, so that feud was done. And then, yeah, she got left behind. No Charlotte Flair, yeah, no Triple H on this show. I mean, a lot of WrestleMania regulars, um, not here. No Undertaker.
1: That was the shocker to see a WrestleMania without the Undertaker. That really was the 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 you know the the punch to the stomach. For me, in general, I don't know about anybody else, but that was for you know the first time in a very long time. No WrestleMania, no Undertaker. Yeah, so.
0: well, his uh, his kayfabe bro his his kayfabe brother made the trip because Kane was the uh, center star of the Hall of Fame. He in won. 2021, <laughs> which is wild. Because if you'd told me many years ago, like. Uh, when, you know, Kane goes in the Hall of Fame, do you, where do you see him? Do you think he'll, I mean, like, where will he stand on that stage? Like, how far to the left or the right? Because he won't be in the middle. No, he was in the middle. He was the headliner of the 2021 and Hall of Fame class. Let's,
1: let's think about this. That's an actually pretty good class.
0: Yeah, well, the 2021 class was compared, I... You know, I'm not a big fan of like the NWO going in because that means Sean Waltman is a two time Hall of Famer. <laughs> like, I like Sean Waltman, but this.
1: And don't you know, don't you know, nobody likes Sean Waltman. I, nobody, stop, stop. Okay. Right nobody likes I know
0: Sean I've actually come around on him. I think he's in his older age and with his podcast and stuff, I think he's turned into. He's open. Well, he's always been open. He's always been an honest. I think I appreciate that kind of honesty from wrestlers um and I, I know it's stupid to read into the hall of fame because it's not a real like there's not a physical hall of fame or anything but you know for many years patrick there was one two-time hall of famer his name was rick flair okay and so that gave it some level of like this is the level you have to be at to be in here two times okay and but now Sean Waltman's a two-time Hall of Famer.
1: That, so, I mean, so,
0: Kevin Nash is a two-time Hall of Famer because the NWO went in. With, I mean, that's what, like, Kevin Nash is, is a Hall of Famer. Like, he's a Hall of Fame-worthy
1: Hall, Hall career.
0: Well. Yeah, Hall is, too, but not a two-time Hall of Famer. I'm sorry, like, and Hogan, I mean, technically Hall only went in once because Razor Ramon went in the other time, Patrick, so.
1: Still, though. And Hogan's now a two-timer. Well, that makes
0: sense. Okay, like I okay, I'll I'll accept that kind of level. Okay, so
1: how did I didn't know how WWE Hall of Fame was being done this year. So we did like 2020s Hall of Fame one night. Yeah, it 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 was
0: combined. It was actually all one show. It was all. Um, they did it in in the in the Thunderdome, and okay and originally Batista was part of the 2020 class, but since they weren't doing a live one, Patrick, since they weren't going to be in front of a crowd to make money, Batista said, nah, I'm not going to do it. So they lost their headliner for 2020.
1: Oh, yeah. oh yeah. fuck you.
0: <laughs> that is such a Batista move. Really? I mean, it's oh, perfect uh, for him.
1: Oh, uh, such a fucking asshole.
0: Yeah. He's like, I'll wait for
1: LA. Thanks. You know, I'll see you then. Um, he's such a fucking asshole okay so Jishin Thunder Liger apparently went in when was this announced
0: that was announced last year he was part of the 2020 class and he would have because that was when he was wrapping up That's his career talk- yeah yeah he did his over like Skype he did a vid- He sent in a video he didn't he oh, obviously he couldn't travel. no he, oh. he couldn't travel uh, they put in celebrities like they put in Shatner and on, and Ozzy Osbourne, they didn't make the trip either.
1: NWO, I could have done without, uh, JBL. I could have done without the Bellas. I fuck no, uh, Shatner. I think that's a pretty funny, you know, good celebrity spot. Cause he's done quite a few things. All right. So three out of the whole bunch for the 2020 class. I'm okay with now 2021 class. Twenty twenty one class is actually a really, really good class and it needs to get the credit it is due. Here's why. Great Khali. Great Khali has done a lot for getting professional wrestling over in India. Contrary to how bad of a wrestler he is, he has done a <laughs> yes. lot. Yeah, he that, has a he has a school over there, so Yeah. And that that is pretty cool. So very well deserving. Now Molly Holly, think about it. Molly Holly wrestled in WCW. She then stuck around through the rest of the Attitude Era. I mean Molly Holly was wrestling for quite a while. Molly Holly, in my book, her and Victoria are some of the hardest working, best female wrestlers of all time. So Molly Holly, one thousand percent, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and she got finally got her just due. Eric Bischoff. Enough said, definitely deserves, end of story. We all know that one. Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne, back in the 80s, was a part of WrestleMania. Uh, was a part of two WrestleManias, actually. WrestleMania two and WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, didn't he walk out at, at three with Jake the Snake, wasn't that?
1: No, that was, uh, that was uh, Alice Cooper.
0: Oh, sorry. God, I get them all confused. <laughs> I'm just thinking of That's Rocking. Right.
1: Guy. He had, he he was a big part of actually getting uh, WWF E over there in England for the for the first few you know shows and stuff. He was a big part of that, and especially getting off the ground for that super for that SummerSlam over there in Wembley Stadium. He uh, he did a lot to try to you know combine the the connections. You know, get the ground rolling behind the scenes for events. to, hey, here's who you need to call. Here's who you need to get in touch with. Here, you know, he, he's, he did quite a lot behind the scenes that I don't think people realize. So, yes, as a celebrity wise, he definitely deserves it. Rob Van Dam. RVD is that fucking good. Okay, whether you like it or not, RVD. Is a Hall of Famer. RVD has been a Hall of Famer for a very long time, and RVD deserves to be in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and the WWE Hall of Fame. I, I think he's finally, you know, I'm very proud to uh, to see him go in. Uh, very happy, I guess is the 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 way to, the correct way to put it. Uh, as for Kane, now Glenn Jacobs. Has done it all from being in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, one of the last territories, to coming in as a Isaac Yankum, DDS. Isaac Yankum, shitty ass, you know, 90s character, to then having to step into the role of the fake Diesel to then having to come back once again and finally be Cain, to then going on to a long-ass feud about him having sex <laughs> with a dead woman,
0: and necrophilia, <laughs> yes.
1: To, to then having this weird-ass run back and forth for years, of storytelling between him and the Undertaker where he was burnt alive, where he then like...
0: They he were psychological saw, burns.
1: Yeah, then it was like his parent, you know, their parents were involved and they dug him up and he like, he just all Call kinds... Paul
0: Bear of, was his dad, it
1: turns yeah, out. Yeah, Bear was his dad at one point in time, just all kinds of fucking weird shit on that. To then becoming corporate Kane. Uh, before to, that,
0: didn't he shock uh, Shane's balls one time with a yeah, bar bag? Yes,
1: he pulled his. You're all right. Him and RVD uh, lost the tag match, and he had to take the mask off on Raw, and uh, and he um, he then went into a six month feud after tombstoning uh, Linda McMahon with Shane, and uh, yeah, he he shot Shane McMahon's balls, his testicles on, on TV, hooked it up to a battery. Oh
0: man, uh, this guy's been in, yeah, a lot of, uh, shitty, he,
1: he's, he's, he's put the, in the work. <laughs> he's put like, in the fucking work. Not to mention now he's corporate cane. Uh, oh yeah.
0: So. He had to be a lackey. Yeah. He had to oh, dress yeah. in a suit. And then in some nights he would start out as corporate cane and then be the demon cane in the same fucking night. Right. Yes. So weird. Yeah. It's bizarre. Team
1: Hell No, I mean... He has been, right, to Team Hell No as a comedian, he has been on every realm of the spectrum in professional wrestling. He's sort
0: of a part of DX, his first words,
1: suck it, suck it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it just...
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of memorable stuff, not for the best reasons, but he did do a a shitload of stuff that we remember. So, um, that yeah. probably ends up in like voice
1: box, the voice box thing for him to Oh, talk.
0: yeah. Oh, he had the welder's mask for
1: a <laughs> while. Welder's mask. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, shit. I just thought of it. Um, he had the shortest WWF title run ever.
0: Well, we we looked that up. Remember, uh, Andre selling the belt was shorter. He like, had, right. Uh, Kane had it for, yeah, the one day when they thought Austin was going to be out with an injury <laughs> and then they were like, Hey, we're in the middle of this Monday Night War thing, so uh, yeah, we need Austin to have that belt back, please. The
1: whole hell in the a
0: movie for him, see no evil, yeah, yeah.
1: The whole hell, I think that was actually the very first WWE movie, just throwing that out there as well. You might want to look that up, but I, I don't think remember
0: I'm tired. if that was before or after the Marine. The, I thought that the Austin one was a WWE movie, the one no. where he. The, the Untouchable, not Untouchables, whatever it's called. Condemned.
1: It's The Condemned.
0: The Condemned, yeah. I thought that was before, but no, you're. I think you're right. I think, yeah, I think Sino Evil was before the Marine even. Because, yeah, the Marine had Cena. Yeah, this guy's done it all. And now he's the mayor of Knox County. So oh, he's yeah. really,
1: That's he's what I'm saying. He taking has on the, tons of things. He has been, I mean, the Hell in a Cell was built. That match was built, created, and made for one image. For him to walk out and rip that door off. It's been publicized. It's
0: good thing it's, he didn't botch it. It's a good thing he didn't been, shock master that door and like get
1: stuck. It has been said time and time again by Sean. It's been said by Taker. It, that is... that is that that was it. It was made. The whole match was created for that one visual image. So, I mean, he even had a match created for him more or less in the hell in the cell. So uh, God, he, he has been the guy that has never said no to a damn thing. He's and always been, been the guinea pig. Yeah. He has always, always, And so well-deserved, absolutely deserves to be the headliner on top of that because he kept coming back time and time again. And, uh, yeah, no, I think he definitely, definitely is overachieved this opportunity. And congratulations to the mayor of Knox County, and Clint jacobs so yeah and uh
0: the legends wing we got dick the bruiser buzz sawyer ethel johnson paul Bosch and of course the the most important one of the legends wing this year the legacy wing pistol pez Watley, chattanooga zone really yeah
1: wow yeah congratulations there yeah.
0: so now my my mom has been in this, she went to the same high school at the same time as a WWE Hall of Famer. So. Well, there you uh, go. And he played football with my uncle. yeah, He was on the uh, football team. So, yeah. that's uh. So now we have uh, multiple Chattanoogans in the Hall of Fame because actually Eddie Graham was born in Chattanooga. So we have that, we have Terry Gordy, and now we have Pistol Pez. So got a lot of representation for Chattanooga in the Hall of Fame.
1: Chattanooga's is a big wrestling town. What can I say? Uh,
0: the rest of night two's card, uh, Sheamus had a very hard hitting match against Riddle. Awesome brogue kick uh, to in the match where he busted Matt Riddle's face. <laughs> uh, Matt Riddle was doing a second rope moonsault and Sheamus gave him a brogue kick from hell and defeated him. Won the U.S. belt. Uh, One of the dumbest stips of the night, the Nigerian drum fight, which is just a hardcore match with green drums around the ring. Uh, Apollo Crews defeated Big E for the IC belt, which um, the stip let me down because I was expecting a whole drum line out there. Rhea Ripley defeated Asuka for the Raw women's title, and then they had a terrible match on Raw the next night. And then we get to the main event.
1: Raw's match, their match on Raw, uh... They're watch central. I mean, God, it was terrible. It was terrible. And it was on Ripley's part, too. Uh, if I was Vince, I'd have caught an audible and had immediately had that title swapped right back again on Raw because it was bad.
0: And then we get to the main event uh, Roman Reigns defending the belt against Edge and Daniel Bryan in a triple threat match. This was uh, originally going to be a singles match, but Daniel Bryan made his way into it after last month's pay-per-view. So it's a, tri- it's a triple threat. It was really good. I don't really have any complaints about it. I didn't like the fact that Jey Uso kept interfering. I thought that if Roman is really supposed to be the head of the table, the big boss, the big villain, that he doesn't really need the right-hand man, as they kept calling him, Jey Uso, to save him. You know, like... I just – that's my only – and that's being – I'm just nitpicking. I'm not going to really – it didn't ruin the match for me. There were plenty of great spots in the match, like uh, the uh, when Edge put on a cross face on Roman with a chair in his mouth, that looked like it sucked uh, just to (laughs) have the chair in your mouth. And then Brian locks in the yes lock, and then they start headbutting each other. That was intense, man.
1: The bad part is you go back and watch in Roman's head as they're headbutting each other. Yeah. His head's like bouncing back and forth as well, cause they're just their momentum above him. Yeah, and he looked
0: like, miserable. Like he <laughs> looked like this really sucks here in the middle of this <laughs> thing.
1: He's just like, please let like, go, no. for the love of God, let like, go. No.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and he can't yeah. tap out because they got his arms. So yeah, uh,
1: the worst thing, and and here's what here's what ruined the match for me. It's a good match, but here's what ruined the match for me is the fact that they had him stack the two of them on top of each other and pin both of them at the same time.
0: Well, I just think they're trying to, you know, make him dominant, which is also why I thought having Jay Uso's interference doesn't make any sense if that's how you're going to end like
1: or Ro- Roman's
0: right. stacking them up.
1: <laughs> Edge, Edge had, you know, he won the rumble, he's coming back. You know, he's showing that he's a big player. If he's not going to win the title, then at least let him go out strong. And then Daniel Bryan coming back and fighting his way into it. You know, he he clawed his way into getting into that match. You should have let him come out. You know, you made both of those guys look like chicken shit, horrible not worth the damn wrestlers when you had him pin both of them at the same time.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Referee, you know, technically edge was on top of Daniel Bryan. So wouldn't he technically have gotten the pin?
1: (laughs) No, they made very clear stipulations. If you go back and watch edge is, uh, his shoulders as he was
0: laid
1: His shoulders were down too. So,
0: Oh, I see. There's your special effort. Okay.
1: Yeah. They made special effort in making sure all four shoulders were down on the. I like
0: that they paid attention to this detail, and they usually don't. So. um.
1: That, that, I I will give them props for that, because that was one detail that they did make sure Roman made very clear that he needed, he was going to do that. Um, But still, though, man, it just, it's bullshit, because now what? It's not, if you're. If you're a hardcore wrestling fan, then you understand. Like, okay, whatever. But if you're not, and you know, now what? You've it's not believable that Edge can come back and challenge him again. It's yeah, not- he
0: just he just cleared out the top two baby faces on SmackDown, so now they've got to start well, from scratch with somebody. Right, because he beat them so definitively. There's no, they can't. They shouldn't have a rematch. Like, at at, at Backlash, they should not have Edge get a rematch because he was beaten so thoroughly.
1: Right, exactly. Like, I, I can understand if, you know, you take Edge out and Daniel Bryan's outside the ring and Daniel Bryan just wasn't able to get in there to get to the three on time or something like that. Or Jay even held Daniel Bryan back, or Jay holds, you know Edge back. You know, then you've got one person got beat, and you've got another person that can carry the story, or, or can carry the the babyface side of it, and for a couple of months while the other one is trailing, and then you can swap them back out again. You, you have definitively crushed both of these characters so bad. That it is not believable that they can come back and challenge, or or even are worthy of challenging for the title at Backlash. So what are you going to do now? You have to you have to find somebody. What are you going to grab Big E? Or are you going to grab? You know, yeah.
0: who, 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 <laughs> your options are like Cesaro, <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Big E. <laughs> yeah, you. That's that's the thing they never do is you know they never have contenders waiting in the wings like they they, they beat, yeah. Uh, yeah they have everybody go 50 50 booking you know all the time so you don't have in your mind who's next you know you don't not to rip on goldberg but who is next well i guess we'll find out friday when they because i i'm assuming that they'll go edge versus daniel bryan for backlash because they both stopped each other from winning the match at one point so i'm sure that'll be that match for them but yeah, I don't know who you're gonna pull from the SmackDown roster. Rollins, man. I mean, no, he's a heel. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I think for the next few months you don't have anybody um, for Roman that anybody's gonna buy that is gonna beat him. So the next few pay-per-views you're ju- are, you're really just buying time till SummerSlam. But in the meantime, I don't know how you build somebody up, you know?
1: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I understand the uh, dominant finish on one person, but to do it to both of them so definitively, you, you just you shit the bed because now you don't have, you have nothing waiting in the wings for this Friday to pick up and take off. I understand there's got to be a, a finish to a rivalry, but you've always got to have some, somebody there to immediately. Pick up that ball and go with it, just like on, just like on Raw last night. You know, Uh, Bobby. No, they just
0: went right back to, to Drew. Yeah, even though they teased Orton, yeah, they. But I'm
1: saying, yeah, they teased Orton. They teased, uh, Strowman. They teased, you know, all these, these, you know, possibilities. And yes, it went back to Drew. But still, you tease these possibilities that there are people that are believable waiting in the wings that can go for this title and can challenge for it. You didn't do that when you just clearly defeated and killed Edge and Daniel Bryan in one fell swoop.
0: Yeah, and depending on when I get this podcast out, we'll we'll either have to wait and see or we'll already know. But my recommendation would be since he just lost the NXT title, is to bring in Finn Balor back to the main roster. Or, now that he's not part of the Raw announced team, Samoa Joe, or uh, something like that, for an intermediate program. And then I would would work on building Big E up for SummerSlam, because I thought Big E had a lot of momentum. I don't think he had a great match at WrestleMania, but I still think he's a star in the waiting, if they do it right. So I would... (laughs) I That's mean, what I, I would that, want for SummerSlam.
1: But wasn't that the whole purpose of breaking up the new day? The new day, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So, so. big, you could finally get his his run that he he deserves or needs or whatever. I mean, you're giving him a chance now to finally be able to go head to head, toe to toe with these guys, not not be a comedian out there throwing pancakes. pancakes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That would be great if that was the character he reverted to for, if they do go with him for SummerSlam and he's just tossing pancakes. (laughs) Just no zero people in that arena would believe that he could beat Roman Reigns. But I think Roman might hold on to this belt. I could even see it going past next year's WrestleMania. Like, until they get to that rock match. I mean, that seems to be the ultimate destination. And I don't think that's happening in Dallas. I mean... I think that's happening in Los Angeles. So that seems like the ultimate destination. A title doesn't have to be on the line for that, I guess, because it'd be kind of weird because the rock would be, I guess he'd just drop the belt the next night or just, I don't know, throw it in the bin <laughs> on the way. Yeah, do a Hogan that, uh, bashed the beach 2000, just chuck it as he's walking up the ramp. But, uh, actually I think Roman would win that match. So I guess the belt could be on the line. Um, so never mind, I take it all back. Well, we'll see what happens Friday with uh, Roman's challenger, but you've, you've made a very good point that they've they defeated their number one and two contenders definitively. So now you're into the unknowns. You're into random mid-carder babyface. I mean, maybe Jeff Hardy could challenge him for a pay-per-view, but like I said, there's just no believability that anybody in those ranks can be can beat roman reigns so unless they're gonna do jimmy Uso when he returns is he gonna face roman or jay could turn on roman i mean they still have those possibilities so
1: um jimmy's jimmy's out for a good 10 months with his knee um it's he's still he's still a good seven or eight months away from from being back. So I don't, I I don't know. I I just don't think they are really thinking things through.
0: Well, at at the same time though, if they, I mean, we could be wrong and they could just give one of those guys a rematch. I mean, they could give a jury match and just, we're supposed to forget what happened. So we could be overthinking this. I think it was stupid to beat them so thoroughly like that because yeah, you've, there's no contender that comes to mind. It's also kind of, Cool that they did that because they never usually do that because they usually do, yeah, like you said, like telegraph where we're going, you know. And so, but I don't trust this company to do things it's not used to and do them well. So that's my concern with this. Well, it was my pick for this episode of Retro Wrestling Podcast, and I decided to pick the final original ECW pay per view ever, which was called Guilty as Charged. And it took place January seventh at the Hammerstein Ballroom in front of twenty five hundred ECW fans that were not aware they were watching history, <laughs> or else they would have been they would have been hysterical. If uh, I mean they would have gone nuts for everything had they known this was the final show. And it technically wasn't the final ECW show because well we know the WWE revival, but the actual original ECW run they actually did a couple house shows after this so. Um, this is their final televised event, uh, because they they obviously lost their TNN deal, and then their last episode of Hardcore TV aired in December of 2000, uh, like a week or two before this. So, this was it. This is the final. This is what they go out on, Patrick. Um, yeah, we'll see what they've got in store for us. I had... Very, I, I th- Much like WrestleMania this year, I had no expectations for this show. I've never seen this show, and one thing I was relieved about, though, Patrick, is that on our last episode, we talked about Peacock or whatever, and I said I wouldn't be going over there, and I ended up going over there. I signed up for a, a week trial for free so I could watch WrestleMania, of course. I was scared because I didn't think this pay-per-view was going to be on Peacock, and I had not watched it yet because I'm a procrastinator, and I'm not going to watch it until I know we're recording the next day. I basically always do that. That's why my notes are usually the way they are, and I don't have all the facts and everything else because I'm lazy. And uh, I go on Peacock, and I look for this thing, Patrick, and I type ECW2001 in the search bar, and I hit enter. And nothing came up, Patrick. And then I was like, oh, shit, I have fucked up bad. Like, what? I'm going to have to call Patrick and say we're going to do something different because I can't fucking find this thing but Patrick, it's because Peacock has it on there but I didn't know, Patrick, that this was season 3, episode 1 of Guilty as Charged because we talked about this before we started recording, but Peacock does not know how wrestling events are categorized and thinks that they're TV shows and seasons, so finding stuff on Peacock is a disaster at the moment and if you so, find it if you find it uh, you have no match markers so you can't just skip around yeah you better watch it in one sitting pal <laughs> or uh, remember it'll remember your place if you log on off
1: but and I I said that I wasn't going to get it and as I went to uh, cancel peacock gave me a you know, give us this, you know, a free trial type deal for so many amounts of time. And so I was talked into it. And, uh, so I have it, I have examined it and it's really fucking shitty. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I mean, that, that yeah, they I don't have don't... any Nitros
0: on there. They don't have any ECW Hardcore TV, so I couldn't do any like research about the storylines heading into this or watch any of that. Quickly, one last thing before we get into the pay-per-view. Um, did you watch the Jericho and Austin interview?
1: I did not. I, I was waiting to see what you thought of it as to whether or not it was worth watching because I figured it was going to be very, very filtered. Seeing as how it was a uh, AEW person on WWE and vice versa, I, I felt like it was going to be very, very filtered and not worth my time and effort. So, what did you think of it if you watched it?
0: Yeah, I, I watched it uh, yesterday because I, I watched WrestleMania on a, on the next day also. And uh, well, night two the next day. And here's what I'll say about it: Jericho loves to talk. Uh, Jericho loves to fill the room with his voice. And Austin doesn't do enough interrupting or like, I don't know. It felt like a one-way conversation. It felt like Jericho just wanted to hog the microphone. It wasn't that filtered, like, but they didn't talk a whole lot about AEW. They talked more than I thought they were going to. Like. Jericho even mentions uh, orange Cassidy's name is on the network now because he mentions him at the end of the show. Um, but boy, it is really uninteresting. I'm sorry. I like Chris Jericho, but like his stories and stuff just weren't that interesting. There wasn't much to it. like he, I think, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's sort of the same way I felt about like that, uh, breaking the code DVD that they released a few years ago. Like it was okay. It was very well produced, but there's just something about Jericho that I don't know. I I, I love Chris Jericho, but these settings are just not good for long form. Listening to Chris Jericho is just difficult and it's like two hours and five minutes. It's longer than it's the same length as this pay-per-view was because this pay-per-view was cut to shit. Which is fine with me, because when I saw it was only two hours, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, so I would recommend giving it a watch, but skip through it. I would fast forward through parts that if you find stuff not interesting, just fast forward and get to the next thing. We get a dubbed over recap of what's been going on in ECW. So no narration here right out of the WCW playbook. Joey Styles and Joel Gertner are in the ring after this four minute long video. Of course, Joey says, we're all guilty as charged. Then Joel says, well, well, well. If it's a crime for his junk to be large, he's guilty as charged. Then he focuses on the one woman. He found a woman in an ECW crowd, so congratulations, Joel. He finds one woman in the front row and describes to her what he's going to do to her. He basically tells her how he'll sexually assault her later on. I'd
1: love to hear Please tell us what all he said. Oh, I'll,
0: I didn't write it down <laughs> verbatim uh, because um, I have a young child and uh, and, a, and a woman in the house, and if I was screaming these things in my basement, uh, she'd probably be concerned as to what was going on. Um, I'll include a clip of what Mr. Gertner said here. And
3: I, the man for whom, if it's a crime for my cock to be large, then you know I'm always guilty as charged. The quintessential stun, Muffin, Joel, another pay per view here in New York City, and with her face on my nuts. EVEN THAT GIRL WOULD LOOK PRETTY! BUT WAIT, 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 WAIT I REALLY SHOULDN'T HAVE SAID THAT, THAT WAS KIND OF SHITTY I APOLOGIZE, I'M JUST TRYING TO BE WITTY AND I HOPE YOU'RE NOT OFFENDED, CUZ THAT WOULD TRULY BE A PITY CUZ I WAS GONNA FONDLE THOSE TITTIES and lick that little clitty
0: But what what's funny is that he does he sa- he says all this shit to her and she just shakes her head no like no way <laughs> you yeah. dirty nasty creepy man um Joel, since he no longer has the Dudley Boys, since this is ECW in it's dying day, so everybody's pretty much gone. Joel has a new tag team to introduce us to. He introduces Joey Matthews, who would be better known as Joey Mercury in the WWE, and his partner Christian York. So Christian York would go on to work in TNA briefly about a decade later. And uh, that's the last I know of Christian York. Uh, they get attacked on the Iowa by the worst tag team name ever, DeBaldis. Uh, DeBaldis attack them. And I was like, good, this match isn't going to happen. That's great. We're off to a good start already because I don't really care about either of these teams. Surprisingly, York makes sort of a comeback on DeBaldis. They hit a Doomsday Device-style dropkick to York. The Baldies do, so they cut him off pretty quickly. Then Jerry Lynn and Cyrus come out cradle shock pile driver to Matthews Cyrus then puts his boot over Joey Matthews and one two three Cyrus the virus is the first winner of the night strange a strange way to open this show but ECW would do this shit all the time man like Joey Styles and Joel were a common way to open the show but then just random matches which matches of no uh, out of nowhere basically um This match wasn't really a match, so I'm I'm not going to try to review it. Then uh, Joey goes to the booth and says, that sucks. Is that the match? And so he was reading my mind. uh, Joey Styles was. Uh, What a great debut here for Joey Matthews and Christian York, who would actually get a very brief run in WCW towards the end. So uh, ECW would close and they would get. Uh, Like a a month run in WCW. They'd be on Thunder and stuff. Much like uh, AJ Styles. Air Paris and Air Styles. The Baldies are rewarded with some cigars for their efforts. Cyrus couldn't give them cash, of course, because ECW didn't have any cash to hand out. (laughs) Cyrus hands the mic to Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn tells them your job is to make the stars look good. Uh, He tells that to Matthews and York, and he says my job is to be the whole fucking show.
3: Let me explain is to make the stars look good. I had that job for 12 fucking years and it's not my job anymore. These kids are a mess. My job is to be who I am and I am the whole fucking show have I heard that before? Ha! No music! That's right. He's not here. He's not coming. And he's not the big surprise tonight. The surprise tonight is, I will never work in ECW or wrestle another match unless it's in the main event, because I am Jerry Lynn.
0: And then he, Hogan poses with his ear to the crowd, cupping his ear. The crowd, of course, is like, oh my god, is RVD here? And nothing happens and Lynn says, yeah, he's not coming, which would have been awesome had that actually been true and he just never showed up. See, they teased Scott Hall, so they needed a big surprise. And somehow Paulie got RVD to come back because RVD had left. He wasn't in the WWE officially yet, but he had left because he wasn't being paid. So he said, I'm not going to work until I get some money. So out of the people on this card to likely receive a paycheck, I'm going to say RVD might have gotten paid for this show. And the rest of the people, I highly doubt it. Spoiler for the ending: RVD comes back. Uh, now the ECW Open rolls, even though we had a cold open, so we had an open before the open. Uh, in one of these clips, uh, Fred Durst showed up in one of these clips. So Fred Durst, Limp Biscuit was had an ECW appearance apparently. We come out of the intro and we have Danny Doring with Roadkill and Hot Commodity, which is Julio de Niro and Easy Money. They also have Chris Hamrick and Electra with them. Cyrus, since he took out Gertner, uh, him and DeBaldi's, and uh, Jerry Lynn, uh, Cyrus is now on the commentary team, so we get Don Callis with us for the rest of the evening. Doring yells, you fucking slut, I'll kick your ass at Elektra. Elektra is famous for being a, one of the dancers. She was one of the strippers in The Sopranos, so she was one of the bada-bing girls. Julio De Niro starts the match with Doring. Doring super kicks De Niro. De Niro answers with a modified T-bone suplex. Easy Money takes over. Easy Money sounds like a payday lending place here in Chattanooga. Uh, Easy Money's <laughs> tights are sheer. He has the worst tights, this man. He also got a WCW run there right at the end because we've reviewed one of his matches before. Uh, he has the worst tights I've ever seen. They are sheer and they showcase his thong. He was Billy Gunn. To a uh, like on another level, Billy gun here. Uh, easy money realizes Roadkill has come into the match and gets slammed and gets a second rope elbow from Roadkill, a Lancaster lariat from Roadkill and Doring to easy money, followed by a power slam to De Niro and a panty drop top rope elbow from Doring. I don't know why Doring had something called the panty dropper because this man is not. Very attractive. I don't think he's making many pennies drop. Uh, Roadkill may- misses a splash to Hot Commodity in the corner and he flops out of the ring. Suicide dive to Roadkill from De Niro. They walk and brawl around the ring, do nothing until a shitty springboard off Easy Money's back during tries one. Does not go well. He stumbles into De Niro And this gets the crowd to do their first you fucked up chant of the night. Chris Hamrick then decks roadkill and stumbles through the crowd. Easy money chases roadkill through the crowd. Throws a couple of rights. Hamrick hits a springboard bulldog to Doring, and De Niro gets a two count. Hot commodity then double team Doring for another near fall. Roadkill has gotten on the apron. Easy bomb to Doring for a two count, which is like a vertical suplex where you release the guy like a powerbomb. It's a really scary looking move. Uh, easy Money then eats a boot from Doring while he tries a top rope move. De Niro comes in, cuts off Doring's attempt for a hot tag, neck to Doring for a near fall. Doring hits De Niro with a DDT. Doring hits the bareback back neck to easy money, which sounds gross, who was attempting something called the money clip. Roadkill gets a hot tag, cleans house, barn burner cutter to De Niro. Then he wedges Easy Money's thong, power bombs him. Roadkill poses on the second rope, hits a clothesline off the, off the top rope to Hot Commodity. A jalapeno popper spin kick from De Niro. A moonsault from Easy Money, but Roadkill kicks out at two. Hamrick takes out Easy Money by mistake with a clothesline. Then De Niro gets flung into Hamrick, taking him out. Then uh, Roadkill and Doring hit the buggy bang wheelbarrow hold, uh, which is then an Alabama jam from Doring. And the tag team champions retain their belt as De Niro gets pinned by Doring, I believe it was, that got the pin. So there you go. Uh the only guy in this match that I thought was really awesome was Roadkill. And but unfortunately, much like um Omos in the uh, AJ Styles match at WrestleMania, he's a big guy and he's way better than Omos, uh, from what I saw at WrestleMania. But he I think he can do those high spots. And then he needs to rest for a long time. So he's a guy that he needs to wait for the hot tag. He needs to wait for his moment. But when he gets it, he's really exciting to watch because to see a big man fly through the air like that and he's fast and he goes to the top rope and he was not afraid to do these moves that a man of his size should not have been doing. So he's my one standout of this match. But what did you think of this first match?
1: I thought it was a pretty decent first match for what it was. I, you can't expect more than that. Uh, I think it just, I I think you don't, I don't consider it to be match of the night. I don't consider it to be one of the better matches of the night, but I think for a first match, it was decent.
0: Yeah. Uh, my match of the night even surprised me. Um, considering who was involved. Yeah, this match, this was actually a tag team title match, by the way. Uh, Doring and Roadkill were the champions, and I guess they would be the final ECW tag team champions ever because these belts would uh, disappear with the company. So I wonder if these are hanging up at these guys' houses. Hot Commodity, though, they get all their heat back, of course. This is ECW, folks, where no match is ever just done when it's done. Uh, hot Hot Commodity get their heat back, and they beat down the champs. Then we get a terrible dub theme, as we would all night. This was terrible dub theme was for Nova as he comes out, and Nova has been uh, hitting the gym and the tanning bed. My goodness. He was shredded here. Um, he comes out to save them. Chris Hamrick and Electra get chased around the ring by Nova. Then Nova and Hamrick brawl. The bell rings, and yes, Patrick, this is now a match. Nova versus Chris Hamrick, which Chris Hamrick looks like a create a wrestler in, in in a video game that you would just create to beat down. Hamrick is he's got no sideburns, the the hair's receding, but it's still a ponytail. He's in the Overalls with the Confederate flag on it in 2001 in New York City. So he looks like he's stepped out of a time machine, I think. Super kick from Hamrick followed by a springboard drop kick for a two count leg whip and a figure four from Nova. But electric say Electra saves Hamrick face crusher to Nova for a near fall. Uh, and Michael Bolton chance for Hamrick, who does sort of look like Michael Bolton, by the way. Nova gets crotched on the turnbuckles bu- by Electra. Hamrick, Hurricane Rana's Nova off the top. Nova hulks up. There's a flurry of strikes followed by an Inseguri. Fuck him up, Nova chance. Uh, litter the arena. Super kick to Hamrick for a near fall. Electra comes in again. Nova snap mares her off his back. Nova does a kick to her forearm, which was so. He went out of his way to make sure he did not actually hit her, but she sells it anyway, so she's out. She's taken out with a broken arm, apparently. Crossface chicken wing, but Chris Chetty runs in and makes a quick three count because he can, I guess. He's not a referee, but he is, apparently. So while Nova's back is on the canvas, he lost the match by doing a chicken crossface chicken wing. Or did he lose the match? We don't know, really. Because then Louie Dangerously comes in and helps Chetty put the boots to Nova. Then Spike Dudley runs in to make the save. Louie Dangerously makes fun of the Dudleys and says he would never call himself a Dudley. Of course, Louie Dangerously was sign guy Dudley, so some insider baseball there. Chetty starts beating on Nova, then he gets Spike's attention and the promo's over. Dudley hits the acid drop to Chetty, Nova hits a swanton to Chetty, but Hamrick comes back and the match is still going for some reason. Kryptonite crunch and Spike this time makes the count, and somehow this counts as a win because Nova's music plays. So I consider Nova the winner of this match, for whatever reason. But this was a clusterfuck, Patrick. Uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy this at all. Uh, what did I, you think of this absolutely. encounter?
1: I did enjoy it, so <laughs> I, uh, I did like it. I thought it was a pretty, pretty good match and it was a pretty uh, fun, entertaining uh, way to kick it off. And just I, I liked it. We go to Steve Carino backstage
0: and he cuts a promo about all his accomplishments, beating Dusty Rhodes, winning the belt. He says Sandman is ruining it for him now because he doesn't have his belt. You see, Sandman stole his belt. He didn't actually beat him for it. So technically, Carino is still the champion. He threatens Justin Credible too and says he's going to bang his girl, which, I mean, Credible doesn't seem too concerned with that later on. We'll see.
3: I'm Steve Carino. I'm the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. I walked into ECW and everybody thought I was a chicken. Can I say it? You can say that. Everybody thought I was a chicken, a coward, a comedy actor. But I proved everybody wrong! I went from being Rhino's manager, to ending the legend of the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, to winning the World Heavyweight Championship all in one year! And what have I got to show for it? No gold belt. This is supposed to be the greatest time of my life. And Sandman, you're ruining it for me. For two months now, I've been the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. And now for a month, I have no gold to take home! So right here, tonight, live on pay-per-view, I'm going to walk up that ladder, I'm going to take that belt of mine, and I'm going to finally walk out of here, the world heavyweight champion, and have my belt too. And Justin, I'm also going to strap this belt around my waist and nail your (laughs) girl. Because I'm the world heavyweight champion. And I'm walking out of here in New York City with my belt.
0: Uh, C.W. Anderson now is in the ring with Tommy Dreamer. And Patrick, here is where I was surprised. Because my match of the night involves C.W. fucking Anderson. And to some degree, Tommy Dreamer. Not knocking, I know you love Tommy Dreamer because you reffed a match of his. But uh, Tommy Dreamer wouldn't typically be in consideration for match of the night for me uh, in most circumstances. They start the match before ring introductions are done. Dreamer and CW roll out of the ring immediately and remain locked in the guardrails. This is an I quit match. And also I would never peg them to be in an I quit match because neither of these guys are known for their submission maneuvers. Dreamer is wearing a hilarious t-shirt because it, he got clearly got a free t-shirt from Logan's Roadhouse or got paid $200 to wear this shirt. So he is wrestling in a Logan's Roadhouse shirt. Fucking Tommy Dreamer's ring attire should go in the Hall of Fame. Not not Tommy Dreamer yet, just his ring attire. Just his fucking he, he wears my pajamas basically. He wears a t-shirt and pajama pants and that's his ring attire like And even when he started, he had bad ring attire because he had the uh, suspenders. Like, he never figured this out. In 40 years of wrestling at this point, he still does not know what to wear. And now he's gotten into the dusty uh, polka dot pants. (laughs) Like, I make fun of Shawn Michaels' style watch all the time, but this is the man that I need to pay attention to. What kind of t-shirt and pajama pants is he wearing this week? Um He suplexes Anderson on ring mats, which New York mandates, so that's why they have them. Usually ECW wouldn't. Uh, Dragon Sleeper to CW Anderson, as this is an I Quit match. CW puts him in an arm submission. Dreamer refuses to quit. Boston Crab to Anderson. And CW Anderson, Patrick, in ECW gets a rope break. This is my one nitpick of the night for many matches are rope breaks in ECW, as well as tags, because... They go back and forth whether as to tags matter or not. Just like rope breaks. Tonight, rope breaks mattered. Dreamer wedges CW against a chair on a post outside the ring and smacks him with another chair. Dreamer hits CW with a wrench from the ring bell. Then, of course, he does the classic ring bell spot where he lays it on CW's head and hits it with the wrench. Then Dreamer digs into CW's head with the wrench, and he's bleeding all over the place now. Dreamer does color to his forehead off hitting his chin on the guardrail, so... Good time to blade Tommy CW drop toe holds him onto the chair. Then he drops dreamers knee onto the chair and then he kicks at the bad leg. CW delivers some chair shots to his back and two massive ones to to Tommy's face. I, I felt bad for Tommy here. Dreamer then stops the third one with a boot, then drops an elbow to CW Anderson under a chair. Dreamer gets a box from the towel boy and retrieves some razor wire, which of course that's in a, just in a box sitting around a present. He opened a present this was in January, and they still had Christmas presents for some reason. Uh, Dreamer puts a full Nelson onto CW Anderson as Towboy blows his spot by appearing too early, but then he brings in another gift, and it's not—it's not more razor wire. It's baking sheets. So uh, Towboy and Tommy Dreamer hit a stereo, a, a concerto-style baking sheet shot to CW Anderson. CW then decks Talboy with one while he was climbing to the top turnbuckle for some reason. CW does an awesome-looking delayed vertical suplex to Talboy off the second buckle, the ECW chance. Dreamer eats an elbow from CW, then eats a spine buster on razor wire from Dreamer, so he got hit with his own finish, basically. CW puts an arm submission on Dreamer. Dreamer gets the rope another rope break cw sets up two chairs in the ring and he wants to suplex dreamer through it and he does it's one of the rare times i've seen someone set something up and not go through it themselves uh cw puts dreamer's head into a chair and rams it into the corner that had a chair wedged in it already so now he's trying to break dreamer's neck cw sets up a table just to get dreamer to deliver a special Spicoli driver off the top rope to C.W. Anderson through the table, uh, table. then Dreamer chokes C.W. with a piece of the table, and C.W. Anderson yells, I quit, and Tommy Dreamer wins. This ruthless fucking match between C.W. Anderson and Tommy Dreamer, this was awesome. I really enjoyed this match. What did you think of the I quit match?
1: I I put this as match of the night I don't know about you but Oh yeah this was
0: definitely my match of the night uh, This is probably the only match I would recommend Going back and checking out And uh, for Tommy Dreamer it sucked because uh, When ECW closed it uh, turns out uh, Paulie uh, owed him $100,000 And that of course uh, Made Tommy Dreamer very upset And very angry at Paul Heyman And that's what led Tommy Dreamer To tell the story of wanting to show up at Wrestlemania To kill Paul Heyman um, also the fact that he didn't know if he was ever going to work again. So it sucks that he went out there and spilled blood for this guy who probably didn't pay him for the night, but Tommy dreamer loved DCW probably more than anybody else. I think in the entire roster, this was a great match. Absolutely. Even though this match was so violent and vicious, CW Anderson and Tommy dreamer would do the code of honor after the match, shake hands. And Joey says it's far from over little did he know it was over francine <laughs> francine is with one big sandwich back in catering the only sandwich they could afford she's sexually harassed by steve carino just incredible is said to be with missy hyatt in the bathroom just incredible's like what no missy hyatt's not here it's not 1985 what are you talking about but then incredible does emerge from the bathroom with missy hyatt in a towel and she demands that francine fuck her man uh, Francine says she won't fuck him until he gets a belt. Okay. Missy then runs into Carino and Jack Victory in the hallway, and Jack Victory says, Hey, Missy, you managed me, remember? And she says, Did I fuck you? No. Um, then I, d- I don't remember you. <laughs> and uh, Carino and Victory walk off, so.
3: I don't even think I can fit it in my mouth. Oh my goodness. Hey, hey, Franny, how are you? Um, good. What do you want? Well, you know, since I am the world heavyweight champion, would you like to take a little stroke in my salami? <laughs> well, normally I would, but, um, you have no belt around your waist. It's not about the belt. It's about the title. I'm the world heavyweight champion. The best world heavyweight champion there's ever been! Uh, yeah? Well, guess what? I'm seeing me and still me. belt! <laughs> until you get that belt around your waist, I'm not going to touch you. So get out of my locker room. Oh, your locker room? It's Where's Luke? your buddy, Justin? Uh, are you writing a book? He's in the bathroom. Oh, is he taking a big dump? Uh, not that it's any of your business, but he's with a friend. With a friend? Mm-hmm. Oh, what? This one? No, he's <laughs> with Missy Hyde. <Hull. laughs> yeah, right. John Tatum's waiting for me back in the old cougar. Well, maybe you spin on John Tatum. Oh, Just get out of 100%. here. You're but a two-bit liar. Oh, alright, now I'm a liar Steve. Whatever. Is that is slut, too. Well check the bathroom. I hope you have fun there with Missy Hyatt, asshole. Can't a man get any peace and quiet around here? Jesus. Francine, please fuck him already. I've been in there two hours. Is he on Viagra?
4: Fuck him. I don't know what he's, he's
3: on. Obviously it's too crowded around here. Oh. I'll flip on this and we'll take this somewhere else. Right, sweetheart?
4: Okay. Oh, excuse me for being in your business. Hey. I hope you had what? a good time. Whatever, girl.
3: If you ain't gonna give it to me, I'm gonna get it somewhere else. Well, then go get it somewhere else, because until you get that belt, you're not getting this. Eh, whatever. Yeah, I never did. You're so lame. You know that? that was a lot. Oh, my God! What? It's Missy Hyatt! Yeah, well, hey, you, know, 10, 15, Missy hey, you remember me, don't you? Did I fuck you. No, no, no. You managed me. Well, I guess you manage yourself then, babe. No, Jack, 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 hold on. You, that's, that's, that's okay? That's why we have the title for only one week because of you. It's okay. It's okay. Content. Focus. Focus. Giants were winning. Giants were winning. Giants were winning. I think so. Okay. What's come on. Come on, the Giants? Okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. She's no one. She's a bitch. Brandon. Come on, calm down. She managed me. Okay, Hi, Johnny. Give them what they really want. Who? The people. The people. High spot. You sure? Yeah. High okay. <laughs> <It's my> spot. <laughs> he stole the promo again. That's my boy. Let's go retain that title. Okay. Cool. Take
0: that segment for what you will. Tajiri and Mikey Whipwreck are, are the unholy alliance, of course, with Sinister Minister. They're taking on the FBI along with Kid, Kid Cash and Super Crazy. So it's a three-way tag match. Where's my pizza? Big Sal ate at Chance, for FBI. Tajiri takes down Guido with a kick, so Super Crazy and Tajiri have, a, uh, Tajiri have a quick exchange before Guido comes back in. Guido eats a guillotine leg drop from Whipwreck, a corkscrew plancha from Cash, and a springboard leg drop from Super Crazy before Ma- Mamaluke makes a save. Triple submission spot, ECW chance for this as everybody hooks in their finishers. Most of the guys end up on the aisle way, and then, of course, you get the parade of guys jumping off the ring into the crowd. Asai Moonsault from Super Crazy gets blocked by the FBI, then Super Crazy springboards off, Kid Cash is back into the crowd before Cash falls with a springboard corkscrew of his own. Big Sal comes into the ring, splashes Cash, so the FBI eliminate Cash and Crazy. Marmaluke gets tossed into the crowd, then leg drop from Mikey. Marmaluke is skinny enough, he can slide through the guardrail bars. That's how skinny this guy is. Mikey and Tajiri hit a rocket launcher to Guido. Uh, fast forward to the ending. whipper snapper to Marmaluke, Then Tajiri gets a hot tag, takes out the FBI with modified airplane spins. F- Whipwreck and Tajiri drop the FBI on chairs they had wedged in the corner. The FBI block a double whippersnapper attempt. Then a double bridging tiger suplex and Jerry and Mikey win a shot at the tag belts as they get the win off these bridging Tiger suplexes. And this gets them a shot at the tag belts, a shot they would never receive, so they should be very upset about this to this day. Uh, what did you think of this tag match, Patrick?
1: I thought it was a uh, pretty good tag match. Um, I don't think it should have been on after Tommy Dreamer and uh, C.W. Anderson. But, yeah, it was it was a pretty good tag match.
0: Yeah, they got in. Their high spots were really good. Um, I think it could have been just FBI and Tajiri and Whipwreck, and I probably would have preferred that as to having the other guys in there. But Kid Cash was pretty entertaining, so thumbs up from me. I mean, it wasn't anything special. But uh, Sandman is smoking backstage. He says there's going to be tables, ladders, chairs, and canes, and he's the king of extreme.
2: You know... A lot of people would've thought I'd had a problem coming into this building tonight and having to hand that ECW Heavyweight Championship belt, my belt, over to the referee, just so they could suspend it 15 feet above the ring for my match tonight. <sighs> Wasn't any problem. You know, there's gonna be tables. There's gonna be chairs. going to be ladders and there's going to be canes i am the king of extreme i am the hardcore icon so if you were a bet man who would you bet on steve carino just incredible
0: or me johnny swinger is out with simon diamond and don marie Swinger brings out the Blue Meanie and Jasmine St. Clair, his real-life wife or girlfriend. The Blue Management Company, that's that's who he's hired now. Huge show-your-tits chance never happens, as usual. Balls Mahoney and Chili Willie are out to face them. Problem solver DDT to Chili Willie, but Balls saves him with a chair. Rhino then runs out, gores Balls Mahoney, shoulder blocks Simon and Swinger because he wanted this to be a double gore, but... He sucked at it. Then he wants Don Marie. She gets gored into Simon and Swinger. Then Chili Willie stands up to Rhino, who hits a rear view. Chili Willie's move is the rear view. But Rhino says, fuck that. And then he gores him. Blue Mini gets gored. Then Rhino grabs Jasmine St. Clair. And pile drives her off the top turnbuckle and leaves, because this was Rhino's move. was pile driving women. Showing, them, showing the crowd their thongs. Um... Backstage, Rhino says he's not done yet, and he tastes violence.
2: I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet! I just
3: started. Oh, violence. I taste, I taste violence! I feel violence. I live for violence. I've just begun tonight. I've fucking
4: just begun tonight!
0: We cut to Styles and Cyrus when we cut to the ring, and Sandman is about to enter. The other competitors are already in the ring. It's time for the main event, the title match, the three-way title match. Triple threat match, rather. Well, it's a ladder match, so never mind. It's Carino versus Credible versus Sandman ladder match for the ECW title. Carino gets a ladder chucked at his head from Credible. Credible goes and looks for plunder, even though the ring is surrounded by it. He finds another ladder eventually, lays a ladder on Carino, rides the other one down on top of him. These guys had clearly seen the first TLC match in WWF, so they got some ideas here. Bulldogged Credible onto a ladder from Sandman. Carino stops him from getting the belt with a a cane shot. Then Terry Funk helicopter style spin from Credible as he put the uh, ladder on his shoulders. But Sandman stops him by tossing him into a corner. Sandman wants the belt, but Carino knocks him off the ladder. Credible and Carino smack a ladder into Sandman's balls with a couple of chairs. Sandman gets tossed outside through a table. Carino drop toe holds Credible into a chair. Tries to set up the ladder, but Sandman stops him. Carino low-blows Sandman to put him back down. Credible is now bleeding. Sandman leans the ladder against the ropes. Carino gets suplexed onto it. Credible trade strikes with Sandman. He gets tossed through a table. Sandman would go through every table, basically, on the outside by just stumbling off the ring. One of the ladders gets fucked up, (laughs) so it's a good thing they had a couple of spares here because... Sandman tries to go for the belt, and the ladder is so fucked up that he just it falls over <laughs> and with Sandman on it, of course. So now they have one functional ladder. Carino tries to climb for the belt, credible missile drop kicks him off of the ladder and onto a chair. Sandman takes another tumble out of the ring through another table. Uh, this was just comedy at this point. Carino then slingshots Credible into a ladder in the corner. Credible hits a just incredible. Or, sorry, Just Incredible hits a That's Incredible to Steve Carino. Francine then hits a Coochie Conrana to Sandman, but he's up, and he has a 16-foot ladder. Carino and Credible go towards the belt, but the belt lifts up. This this company has also been watching. They've been watching uh, Steve Austin's ladder match in the WWF where the belt lifted up. And so the belt lifts up and prevents him from getting it. So Sandman decks them with the cane, Credible bulldogs Karina off the ladder through a table, then Sandman climbs the ladder. Yes, the man that was smoking cigarettes and drinking beer a minute earlier has just won a ladder match. He climbs it and gets the belt. What did you think of the ladder match before we get to the aftermath of the ladder match?
1: I think you kind of said it best. You know, just a lot of spots stolen from other ladder matches. Uh, not, Not a lot of originality whatsoever. Uh, so it kind of let me down well and also
0: these guys aren't high flyers so like if this match had like a super crazy or a kid cash in it would have been probably really awesome but none of these guys are known for their high flying offense so yeah it was really missing something Uh, so Sandman is the final ECW champion ever right of course this is how it ends um no no, of course not. This is ECW, where nothing ever ends except the company. Uh, Jack Victory puts a table in the corner, but Carino Incredible don't want to fight Sandman. Instead, they do the Code of Honor. Everybody's shaking hands, everybody's pals. They do that. Then the Baldies come back out, and then Carino and Credible clear them out, so Sandman sets up the table in the corner, and he was ready to fight, but nobody comes out. So he just stands around, waiting for Rhino, who I guess... Missed his cue. So Sandman is just standing around staring. Finally, Sandman sees him, I guess, coming out. So he's like, okay, now it's time for my spot. So he goes, poses on the buckle. But, uh, unfortunately, Rhino wants to gore him. He wanted to, but he trips and falls. But he gets back up and still gores Sandman. Rhino says he can't be the TV champ since ECW doesn't even have fucking TV. Rhino challenges Sandman and says he wants a match. He puts the mic up to Sandman, and Sandman in his distinctive Sandman voice, Fuck you! Uh, Rhino then threatens Sandman's family if he doesn't get the match, which we're told are in the crowd, but we don't get a camera shot, so just trust us. Uh, Rhino will fuck up all Sandman's family. Then we get RVD chants from the crowd. This is where they thought RVD was going to be, to save Sandman for some reason. RVD chants, and Rhino says to the crowd, Fuck you! No surprises tonight.
2: Why am I the ECW World Television Champion
3: when this fucking poor-ass company don't even have TV? Well, that's a good point. It's kind of inappropriate for on-air. If that is the belt everybody is willing to die for, then that is the belt I'm willing to kill for. Uh Uh-oh. Come on, Mr. Hardcore Icon. Come on, King of Extreme. Come on, Sandman. Give me a fucking match and give me it now.
4: Fuck
2: you. One's a champion's prerogative.
3: He certainly doesn't have to defend the title if he doesn't want to. Yeah, It takes a brave man to attack attack another competitor after that match. You give me a match and die. Or your family's sitting right up there. Uh-oh. They die. <laughs> well, certainly giving him a very clear choice, Joey Siles, he, just, he just threatened the Sandman's family. He wants a match. What he kind of to- a wrestler brings his family to watch him wrestle? Fuck you.
2: There's no surprise.
3: You know he'll do it too, Joey. We've seen him do it in the Give past. Give match, Sandman,
2: or your family die. Rhino has giving the Sandman an ultimatum. A World Heavyweight title
4: matchup is gonna go after the man's
0: family! Ring the fucking bell! Ah! Ah! Sandman then says, Okay, ring the fucking bell. So Rhino remounts the ladder or the table in the corner. Rhino carries Sandman through the table, which is called a gore, but really is just he carried him through it. Sandman kicks out at two. Fuck you, Rhino chants from the crowd. Pile driver to Sandman through another table in the ring. Uh, on the ring mat, sorry. Uh, he does it from the apron. again Sandman kicks out at two. another pile driver on a shard of a table at Patrick out of all those moves this is the one that does Sandman in. So one two three Rhino is your final uh, with an asterisk beside it ECW champion. What did you think of Rhino's thing here?
1: It was exciting the way it was put together for the match to happen but I didn't it didn't do much for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if Paul thought the company was going to continue, I guess he wanted the belt on a young guy. But Rhino was not a favorite of the ECW crowd. I don't think it was just heel heat. I think it was almost go-away heat because they saw, you know, they were still attached to their stars. That's why RVD was so over. But uh, unfortunately, all their stars had pretty much left. So the ECW crowd, you need time to adjust, you know, time to adjust to new stars and they were not fond of Rhino. So I'm not sure this was a good decision. And I'm really sure that the next thing was a bad decision because RVD comes out when uh, Cyrus says, if anybody's got the guts, we'll put this belt on on the line right here. So bring it right fucking now. And so RVD comes out to a terrible dubbed over theme, Patrick, they should have had this match. I love Jerry Lynn but they should have had RVD beat him for the title. If RVD and Paul knew that this was the last shot, probably they should have just done that. And then everybody could have gone home happy, but that's not what they did. Instead, Jerry Lynn jumps RVD. So, uh, Rhino sneaks away. So he's a fucking chicken shit heel champion who did nothing tonight. Really? I mean, he didn't have a match. He just, well, he had a match, but he was Goldberg. Basically he speared people and then he left. But here we go. We're going to get Jerry Lynn and RVD, which on paper sounds great. They've had great matches in the past, but Patrick, this one did not live up to it for me. Lynn crossbodies RVD out of the ring. RVD hits a moonsault off the guardrail to Lynn. RVD gets a busted lip from something, so he chucks Lynn into the guardrail before posting him for his corkscrew (laughs) guillotine leg drop. RVD then brings him into the ring, press slams him, hits a few moonsaults for a near fall. Lynn evades a shoulder block in the corner, leg drops RVD for it, then he baseball slide kicks RVD onto the floor. Cyrus celebrates with Lynn for a moment, then Lynn clotheslines RVD on the guardrail. Lynn slams RVD on the concrete. Asshole chance for Lynn and Cyrus. Rolling pin reversals from the two of them. You fucked up chance to Lynn for an ugly schoolboy. Rolling thunder gets a two count. Running drop kick with the chair gets a uh, near fall. Lynn hits a sunset flip powerbomb to RVD off the buckles onto a flattened chair to the back of RVD's head. Hall of Famer RVD's head for a two count. Tornado DDT gets blocked by RVD. Lynn hits a bridging German for a two count. Lynn grabs another chair that Cyrus hands him and DDT's RVD onto it for a two count before RVD gets a rope break. Of course, slingshot sidekick from the second rope from RVD. Then he goes for the frog splash. Lynn rolls out of the way, rolls RVD up for a near fall. Then Joel Gertner comes in, and DDT Cyrus. Joel Gertner has awakened. He's been out this whole night from the attack earlier, but he's awoken, and he DDT's Cyrus. So now Joel Gertner is involved in this match. Um, RVD doesn't have uh, Fonzie here for help with the uh, Van Terminator, so Joel Gertner says, hey, man, I'll help you out with that. Okay, first, though, RVD hits a Van Daminator. Then he puts uh, Lynn in the corner for the Van Terminator. Gertner says, I'll hold this chair right here. And then RVD, uh, eat your heart out, Shane McMahon. This is how it's fucking done. RVD flies across the ring and gets all of it and slams the chair with his legs into Lynn's head. One, two, three. RVD closes out ECW's original run with a win. What'd you think of this final main event match?
1: I thought it was... Uh, done very well. Done very, very well.
0: I thought it was okay. Uh, Jerry Lynn didn't have a lot of offense in it, and RVD was kind of slow. He had apparently been filming a movie overseas, one of those B list movies RVD's in. So he hadn't been in the ring in a while. You could kind of tell. Uh, he was also not going to injure himself because he knew that the WWF was probably going to give him a contract. So. He wasn't going to do anything too dangerous, um, get too extreme, so he's probably pissed he busted his lips. Uh, Jerry Lynn didn't... Like I said, these guys have had better matches, but to go out, I think it's appropriate that these two guys close out ECW because they probably had some of the best matches in ECW history, and they were were available to them. Uh, out, Out of your old ECW originals, basically, these were your The two guys that were left. So, and RVD wasn't even left. He was brought in. He was the big surprise because they had to get rid of, they couldn't let Scott Hall be on the show. So they needed a big surprise anyway. So this was it. This was much better than having Scott Hall do whatever they had planned for him. Backstage, Francine says, Three guys are better than one. It's Carino, Credible, and Victory. Seemingly reformed the shitty version of the triple threat. This would have been, and uh, I, this is a terrible idea. I'm glad this never saw the light of day. Um, we get the ECW song and we're out. So, what did you think of Guilty as Charged 2001, the final ECW original pay per view? Uh,
1: it was about as good as the, I put it in there with the, the 2000s of WCW. It was, uh, You had a high spot here and there, but most of the show was shit.
0: Yeah. I'm very glad this version was cut down to two hours by cutting out some entrances and, you know, so they can't, it's hard for them to dub over every entrance theme in ECW because of the way it was mixed. So a lot of the shit was cut down. Um, I thought it was a pretty standard ECW show. It certainly was no heat wave 98 or anything like that. Um, But they didn't have the talent pool to choose from. They didn't have guys from Japan. They didn't have Sabu. They didn't have all their originals because all these guys had quit and Paul owed them all money. So uh, this you didn't have Taz. You didn't have. I mean, yeah, this. So out of what you had to work with, I think you did the best you could do. And. Tommy Dreamer really saved the show from me saying skip it all together, because that one match I would actually go back and watch. But there's no match markers on Peacock, so good luck finding it. It's somewhere in the middle of this of the bar. So, uh, Patrick on our rating scale. Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, ECW, guilty as charged, two thousand one.
1: I gotta give it a hornswoggle.
0: Wow, that is low praise. I am going to give it a Jasmine St. Clair. Um, because that really sort of all the crude humor on here that was pretty mu- that was actually better than a lot of the wrestling. So I'll give Jasmine <laughs> Saint Clair the uh, That's
1: true. that is true.
0: The nod. Uh, where are we going next time, whenever that may be, Patrick? It's
1: your pick. Um. Well. Well, I am going to put you up to the test, there, Alex. We are going to go. For four hours. Can you go four hours?
0: No, <laughs> no. Okay. No, I, I'll I'll watch a show. Sure, I'll give it a shot. I can speed. Uh, I can speed it up.
1: We are going to pay tribute to the late Jim Crockett by going back to Starcade, 1986, the night of the Skywalkers in a scaffold match with the Road Warriors and the midnight express for the first time ever four men are going to be high above nothing but a wrestling ring and concrete who's getting thrown off and who's gonna win
0: that sounds great i've never seen this show so uh should be should be interesting and it is very retro very old show as uh we haven't done a show that old in quite some time so Uh, We're going to live up to our name and we're going to go back to 1986, uh, the year I was born. That's how long ago. 34 years ago. Uh, Well, 35 now. Oh, geez. I'm going to be 35 later this year. All right. Uh, I've just made myself feel really bad. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. You can find us online on Twitter at RetroWPodcast.com. Our website, RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. Email us, RetroWrestlingPodcast at gmail.com. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and of course, you can find Patrick Patrick Young wrestling on Facebook and Ref Patrick Young on Twitter. That'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex.
1: I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my clothesline's a clothesline,
4: and bingo bango. Those of us that were true followers of Paul fascinated the rest of the industry because. Paul got us all to do so much for so little. And other wrestling promoters were amazed. I know that, you know, they were like, how do you get these guys to follow you, to keep wrestling when the checks are bouncing, to kill themselves out there in the ring every night, And and to keep coming back, even though you're not paying them. And I know that people were amazed by that. They were amazed. But the bond that we had, because we all did that, and we all did it for the same reason, it's like an unbreakable bond that we still feel today because we went through those times together because we all are the true Paul Heyman guys. Oh, my God. Paul's the ultimate motivator. I mean, how else can you have a company that's literally at the verge of
0: bankruptcy, checks bouncing, and everyone holding on? Because they believed in the man...
3: They believed in the product, and they believed in the vision. I would, you know, hey, Paul, I haven't been paid in a month. And he'd be like, oh, just take the merchandise money uh, come, you know, Saturday. I'd be like, all right. He'd be like, how much money do we make? And I'd be like, $22,000. And he'd be like, OK, can I have some of it? i got to pay a few bills. And I'd be like, Paul, you owe me like, I used to have a running record of how much money he owed me. And I'd be like, Paul, you like owe me like 65 grand right now, you know, in back pay. He's like, OK, take 15. And I got to take the rest. I'd be like, dude, you said I could take all of it. He's like, but 15 minus 65 would be 50. It's an even number. All right, Paul, no problem. It's, and I would do it, you know? (laughs) You could hate Paulie and want to kill him for whatever reason. And then five minutes later, after talking to him, you'd be like, he's the greatest guy in the world
4: sometimes we actually flew on bereavement fare, like we had to rotate uh for our airplane tickets sometimes we'd get what what is this we have to call in to the to the girl debbie that was the that would help him out with the travel and she would she would give us the name of our deceased family member and we would have to tell them that because it was like a discounted fare, and we would have to go through that lie to the airlines (laughs) to U.S. Air in order to get like a cheaper flight just to get in there to work for the weekend and it was uh, we'd always uh, uh, it was rotated so we'd always you know find out like who it was that had it this week you know and talk about it and laugh at it and stuff but that's that's Paul and that's the way he did business. It's very popular to paint this picture of me as this business
3: owner that told people anything to get to the next day and some of that is true that's fine. And I accept that criticism. And I played with the cards that I had in my hand. And sometimes when you have no cards, you got a bluff that you have cards in your hand. I got the company to the next day. And sometimes that's not a pleasant task. And there are times when you're faced with the responsibility of keeping the company alive, that you have to do things that, in retrospect, you look back and people would say, wow, why'd you do that? Wow, that was unethical. Wow, ooh, man, you you're to death. Hey, you know, you, you you lied to survive 24 more hours. Yeah, but that 24 hours was another year. And, you know, a lot of guys, you know, oh, he bounced checks on me. It was, a, it was their prerogative to stay. It really was. Someone bounced a check on you, guess what? You could. Call the cops, it's illegal. Guys wrestled for free, yeah, we all did. It was your choice.